Now here's a uh, photograph uh, of Israel before it was Israel. So someone went over there before the World War, so in the 1910s or something like that. It'd be a bit different now because of all the, the changes that happened with the return of the Jewish people to their homeland and all that sort of stuff. But in those days, the whole place was just called Palestine. It wasn't called Israel. It was Palestine. And the Palestinians lived there. And that's the sort of scenery that might confront you. The population was small. There weren't the modern developments. We're talking about sort of 1900, 1910, that sort of stuff. It's more like the days when Jesus walked in that land. It would have been more, more bit of technology, occasional car going around and so on. But anyway, we're looking back to the way things were. In those days back in those days, in the early part of this century, uh, a famous Bible teacher by the name of George Adam Smith was travelling through Palestine with a local guide. And again, we go back in time, it's not the age when there's huge Boeing planes crisscrossing the planet, but occasional plane trips and occasionally people went overseas, that sort of thing. And they came across, as he travelled around, they came across a shepherd uh, and his sheep. And they began to talk together. And the shepherd showed Smith uh, the sheep pen into which the sheep were put, placed at night. And it consisted of uh, just walls, sort of four walls, or maybe sort of circular rounded walls, something like that, uh, with a way in. And Smith says to the shepherd, that's, that's where they go at night, is there? That's right, that's where I put them. I put them in there. When I put them in there, they're perfectly safe. But... Uh, there is no door, says uh, the visitor, named Smith. Uh, I am the door, says the shepherd. Because he wasn't, he wasn't trying to speak the language of the Bible, but you recognise that this man, this he was a Palestinian shepherd, he wasn't a Christian anyway, but he was speak, speaking from the point of view of an Arabian shepherd. Uh, so he latched onto a biblical thing here. It's the way they were still doing it, as in the Bible days. He said, what do you mean by the door, he asked him. And the shepherd says, when all the sheep have gone inside for the night, I lie down to sleep across that way in. And no sheep ever goes out except across my body, and no wolf comes in unless he steps across my body. And there's the sheep pen without the door. I am the door. And if you know your Bibles, you'll know that Jesus said these words. And when Jesus also told his disciples... He was like, like a good shepherd to them, uh, that he was like the shepherd who makes himself the doorway for the sheep. Then he was giving us uh, the most powerful picture of the safety that we have when we're connected to Jesus, when we remain in Jesus. He's like the door. He's our good shepherd. He protects us. So, so far, if you were jotting notes, and there's a pen there, the shepherd is the gate and the door to the pen or for, for the sheep to the pen, so you can jot those as you go along. Now, images from the farm are very powerful. Even city folk like myself uh, always love the image of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And tonight, uh, the sermon, as, as mentioned, is that the, the minister is a shepherd. And this verse was amongst the verses read out in the second Bible reading. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing 
as God wants you to be. Here's a sort of the attitude that we need to look for and encourage in our minister, somebody who is willing to watch over the ship, not under compulsion, but because it's his delight to minister amongst us. And the job description of the shepherd in those days was very extensive. You'll know that sheep just wander around. They need a leader. So somebody, the sheep gets out, the, well, the leading sheep gets out the front of the flock and wanders them along. And the shepherd in those days had to guide the sheep, had to guide them to streams of water and good grazing, good grazing grounds. So on our, if you're doing the note taking, you see that the the shepherd is is a minister. The, the, the verse from one Peter chapter five verse two is really talking about ministers, and that we're going to see that the the, lead, the sheep the shepherd leads from the front. He guides them and feeds them, and uh, as the sermon goes along, we're going to see that he goes and he fights for them. So the shepherd had to make sure that the sheep were kept safe. Uh, there was a little story told in those days that if if a, if a wolf or a wild animal, and there were such creatures in, in that land in those days, took a sheep off, the, the shepherd was at least supposed to go and get part of the sheep to show that it had been taken by a wild animal, had to show that he'd done his duty. We already heard about the technique used to keep the sheep in the pen at night and how the predators were, were uh, kept out. Also, how the shepherd was always on guard uh, during the daylight hours for the same reason. And David, who became king of Israel, we're back in Old Testament times now, was also a shepherd in his younger days. And here's a uh, a sort of slightly uh, romantic picture of of young David in his clean clothes taking care of the sheep. One day, you probably know this story, David's father sent him off to visit his older brothers who were doing their stint of service in the army. We're back in Old Testament times, well and truly, well, well before Jesus, they were being confronted by the Philistine army who had a gigantic man called Goliath who was willing to fight anyone who dared. David, of course, was still a youth at that stage. He might have been a little bit bigger than that, that uh, younger, younger attacker there, but he was the only one who volunteered to go out and fight this huge man. They all laughed back. They all laughed at him. They thought it was ridiculous. I don't know if you know your Bible story well enough. David's answer to them was, I am a shepherd. I am a shepherd. That was good enough to go and fight Goliath. All right, that's the sort of people that shepherds were. When a lion or a bear would come, says David, and carry off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it, and I rescued the sheep from the mouth of that wild animal. Now here we have in the Old Testament the picture of an authentic shepherd in action. And of course, I'm talking about shepherds, but I'm really talking about ministers all the time. All the time you can be translating this into the minister word and the picture of the minister today. Just as when Jesus was born, hundreds of years later on from David, there just happened to be one group of people still wide awake, uh, out and about doing their duty. Some shepherds, says Luke in his Gospel, were spending their night out in the open taking care of their sheep. Now here's a, a, what we call a mob of sheep in Australia. Now the way we do sheep in Australia is a little bit different to the way they do sheep in Palestine, in the biblical lands. 
So over here in Australia, Australian shepherd who's called a drover. He's called, he's called a drover, isn't he? Not a shepherd. He's called a drover because he drives them from the back. Now how different to the picture of the biblical shepherd who walks in front of his sheep. But here the drover is setting the dog on them to snap at their heels and keep them all in line. And imagine having a minister like this. <laughs> but the Middle Eastern shepherd guides them along himself. Uh, he leads from the front. These are the notes we already took. I just gave you a bit of a preview. He feeds them and waters them, and he goes in to fight for them when any of them are in danger. Now, this is how it ought to be between the minister and his people. And it's the relationship, I can say this while Jody's away, the relationship we should have with Jody. We should honour him as our shepherd and allow him to guide us and protect us, and even when necessary, to fight on our behalf. I know that Jody's once or twice, just, uh, probably more than what's happened, he's given us a little bit of an income that sometimes when he's posting his Christian articles on Facebook, <clears throat> so I'm not on Facebook, but Jody has his Christian articles which he publishes this week. He's going into fight. He's, he's putting his Christian ideas or our Christian ideas out there and sometimes he pops quite a racing over. That's the minister, the biblical shepherd, going into fight on behalf of the sheep. We don't have to cop that. But Jody takes it on our behalf. It was on the journey from their slavery in Egypt, I'm still doing a bit of Old Testament stuff here, to freedom in their own land, that God demonstrated his shepherd-like qualities with his people. So whilst they were travelling from Egypt across the desert to their new, the new land that was going to become Israel, during the daylight hours, he led them from the front, not from the behind, but from the front. Uh, they saw a cloud uh, during the daytime, you may recall this. And at night, God took on the form of a pillar of uh, fire which guarded the camp while they slept. Because as it says elsewhere in Scripture, the God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. He provided all they need to eat and drink on the way. You know these Old Testament Bible stories, do you? That the water came gushing out of the rock when Moses struck it. There was meat in the evening when the quails came and there was bread from heaven, the manna, in the mornings for them to collect. And of course, God the shepherd also fought on behalf of his people. And here we have Moses at the Red Sea. And the people are standing there and they're quaking with fear because they look back to where they've come from, from over Egypt way, and they can see the Egyptian army bearing down upon them with the chariots and probably the foot soldiers running on behind or something. But they can see that and they, there's the sea in front of them and there's the Egyptian army coming down behind them and they knew that they were, well, they, they considered they were goners. But that's when Moses made the most incredible statement of faith in God that's probably been uh, made up to that point in time. If you want to just keep it at your eye on the note-taking, uh, we've got in the very on the first page, God himself, the bottom line, was Israel's shepherd on the journey uh, to freedom. And uh, over the page, here come these, a few uh, answers. Don't be afraid. The Lord will fight for you and you only need to stand still. And there's some spaces there you can write those memorable words in. Don't be afraid, because they obviously would have been. The Lord will fight for you. You only need 
to stand still. God, the shepherd of Israel, guides them. He feeds them, he waters, he fights and fights for them. This would be, those words of Moses would be, in my opinion, the, uh, and the, the crossing of the Red Sea is the high point of salvation in the Old Testament. And those, those words that Moses said, the high point of faith, to see the Egyptian army coming down on you with chariots when you're a, a, a sort of a rabble of slaves, um, don't be afraid. The Lord fights for you. You only need to stand still. Well, fancy th- thinking by standing still you would win, but that's in fact uh, what happened. And God's relationship with the, the nation as a whole and with the individuals in the nation was like a shepherd with his sheep, as that you know the well-known Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, but as you may already know, and I'm, I'm probably assuming you've got a little bit of Bible knowledge out there, and I think you do, you know that the relationship went wrong between God and his people, that it was all joyous times when they walked into their new home, uh, but as time went by, uh, they started to abandon God and follow idols, uh, false gods, and break God's laws and so on. So, uh, And often it turned out that God was blaming the leadership of Israel that is to blame. And we saw that in our Bible reading from Ezekiel. I won't go through all those words again, but you would have been paying attention and the words were on the screen how there were shepherds who were just taking care of themselves, feeding themselves. This is analogous to a Christian minister today who doesn't do his duty amongst the flock. He's basically a slacker and things just kind of wind down and everything goes, goes to putty around the place. Uh, the leaders of Israel were supposed to act like shepherds, but many, many didn't. And there's lots of prophetic passages in the Old Testament, uh, too many of us to look up, obviously. But the false shepherds of Israel are castigated for their slackness, their laziness, and putting themselves at the centre of their world. And by the way, if you want to be involved in ministry, you do need to be centred on other people and not centred on yourself. And it's good for all of us to be called to do ministry in the congregation, to rise up and serve. And when we we do this, we don't so much think about ourselves, think about God and his glory, and we think about the benefit of the other people in our congregation. But the, the slack shepherds of Israel were worried about themselves, feeding themselves, are pandering to themselves and ignoring the flock. So a long passage which we won't read from Ezekiel uh, chapter 34. Uh, God castigates the false leaders of Israel, their false shepherds. So the Old Testament closes with them still waiting for the current for the coming shepherd. That's a shepherd God had promised a great shepherd to come, but the shepherd hadn't showed up. But then up comes Jesus. And those great words, I am the good shepherd. When Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he was staking a claim to be the long-awaited Messiah that was hoped for in the Old Testament. God says, I'll give you a shepherd who will care for you then if, the, if your sheep won't. You'll see that in the Ezekiel Bible that we had. So Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. So he's basically saying, I'm the one that God promised to come. Because Jesus made it quite clear and that his ministry was to be seen in terms of gathering the lost sheep. And you can probably remember the parable that he told, the man with a hundred sheep, and one was missing. It wasn't good enough that one was missing. It shouldn't be good good enough for us either in our church that one goes missing. One out of a hundred was not good enough. It had to be be none of them missing. All all one hundred had to be safe in the pen. 
So if you just look at your note, I might have left you a little bit behind. In the middle page, Jesus, uh, the Lord is my shepherd and Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. This will be something to take away and think about. And then we're going to go on to see the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, which of course means the people. We're going to, we're going to see that. That's coming up. So Jesus said, my ministry is gathering the lost sheep. I've been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. So he's the, Jesus is the one who begins to undo the damage which was inflicted on the flock by the self-serving shepherds of the earlier days. It's not only in words that Jesus is the good shepherd, it's in his deeds as well. And if we want to be shepherds, we've got to not just talk about doing ministry in our church and why don't we do this and why doesn't someone else do that. We've got to actually do ministry. We've got to roll our sleeves up and give up the comforts of home and put in some hard yards up here around Jamboree. Because after Jesus has taken the initiative uh, to look up in the tree and he saw Zacchaeus up there, he then went on to invite himself. He didn't wait for the invitation, but he said, Zacchaeus, I am coming to your house today. Don't, don't wait for the invitation. I'm coming. That's it. And he says to Zacchaeus, uh, as we've seen in, in the Bible verse, it's here on our, our sheet, that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And when Jesus talked about the lost, he was talking about the lost sheep. He was talking about the people who had been ignored by the leadership of Israel, who didn't really quite understand how to relate to God, who could sort of were feeling out for God but didn't know where he was, and he wanted to show them the way of God, the, the way of grace, the way of salvation, of come for the lost sheep or the lost people. And of course, in the greatest of all things that anyone could do on behalf of someone else, Jesus says in John chapter 10 and verse 15, I'm even willing uh, to die for his sheep. And it's an amazing minister these days who would make that statement, I'm willing to even die for the sheep. I, I'm even willing to lay down my life to go backwards so that the congregation can go forwards. I'm willing to die for the sheep, says Jesus. And of course, it doesn't end with his death. Jesus, a good shepherd, rises from the dead. In order to gather his sheep from all over the world into, as he says, one sheepyard under one shepherd, which is uh, Jesus himself. Now, we now can move on, or we have moved on, I guess I should say, uh, from God, the shepherd of Israel, to Jesus, the good shepherd. So from a bit at the Old Testament situation, a bit at the New Testament situation. And, and we make the connection to Jamboree Anglican Church. I've been sort of hinting at it as I go through the sermon, of course, because there's lots of little points where it connects with us. But we, we make the connection to our church here when we realise that Jesus tells us that he takes care of each one of us by means of the shepherds he has appointed to do his work. So uh, let's just be brutally honest. We're sheep. We need a leader. We can't just simply navigate our, our way ahead. We need someone to guide us and direct us. And Jesus has provided someone to do just that. To the elders, 1 Peter chapter 5, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, said Peter, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crowd and glory that will never fade away. Now there's two shepherds in this, this verse here. There's the chief shepherd who appears later and then there's the shepherds who are uh, under the chief shepherd. So there's the chief shepherd, then there's lots of under shepherds 
they are under the chief shepherds, and these are the shepherds whom Jesus has appointed as the ministers in his church. And, there, and the reason there's some dots in those verses there is I, I left out some words because just, just so we could focus on what I wanted us to see. So selected from 1 Peter chapter 5. So the line of command in the, of pastoral care in the congregation is the chief shepherd who acts through his under-shepherds. And we can give these people names. The chief shepherd is Jesus and the under-shepherd is Jody and anyone who helps him. So when you rise up to help Jody doing a task around the congregation, be it teaching scripture or supervising the children and teaching them or getting out and about in Jamboree and door knocking or giving out leaflets or singing at the front, Jody shares the ministry uh, with you. He doesn't just hang on to it all, so it just sort of flows out from him and we all get caught up in it. And the chief shepherd is Jesus and Jody is our under-shepherd. And ministers are accountable to Jesus, the chief shepherd, on judgment day for how they have uh, discharged their duties. I'm, I'm sure Jody's, of course, well aware. It doesn't mean need me to bring him up and tell him that. But that's, in fact, the situation, that the, that the shepherds of the congregation are accountable to Jesus. I'll just get our notes up to date. In January, Jody takes care of each, uh, Jesus takes care of each one of us by means of shepherds he has appointed to do his work. And then if you want the, a, a preview, calling your minister pastor is biblical. That gets us to the end of the third page. So to Peter, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. To the elders of the church at Ephesus, Paul said, keep watch over yourselves and over the flock that God has placed in your care. And then you remember we had that verse up, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. So when a minister of the church is called pastor, we're taking up pastoral imagery, in other words, farm, farm talk. So the, 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 the guiding metaphor, the guiding picture about the way our congregation is actually, it's based on a farm. It's not based so much on a business, it's based on a farm. We've, we've got a pastor, we've got a flock of sheep, and elsewhere in the Bible, it's God's field or God's vineyard. It's very, very sort of agricultural farming terms are applied to the Bible to get the idea across. Well, it was a very much an agricultural economy, and we're bringing business principles in church today, I realise all that. But when the minister of church is called pastor, it's taking up these same ideas. Ministers that see themselves as shepherds in God's pasture, and hence the, the title pastor. So we can note that to call Jody a pastor is biblical, but to call him a priest is not. The this is because the pastor takes care of you on behalf of Jesus. But the concept of a priest is that God's up there and you're down here and you need someone to stand between you and God and go that way, the bit that you can't go by yourself. There's only one priest in the New Testament, that's of course Jesus, who goes there and of course he takes us with him all the way to heaven. So, But he is, he's the one and only priest. It's wrong to call a minister a priest at any time. It's contrary to scripture because we all have to go to God, not through a human priest, but under our own steam. And I don't mean salvation by works, of course. I mean grace. It's with God's grace that we stand. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, and this is a passage which Christians often turn to when we're talking about how a church might fu function best. 
And in verse 11, uh, Paul said that Jesus appointed in his church pastors and teachers. That's what the chief shepherd did to take care of the flock. He made pastors and teachers. And the Bible commentators say that when, when Paul says pastors, teachers, it's like pastor, teacher with a little hyphen between them. Not a pastor, some guy's the pastor, some other dude is the teacher. This is the wrong concept. One person is the pastor, teacher, or several people in the congregation might function as pastor, teachers. So incorrectly, sometimes you hear other people, other Christians saying words to the effect of, they might say, I mean, this isn't much of a, a preacher, but he's a great pastor. You've probably heard that. He doesn't preach very good, but he's great at pastoring people. Uh, but we need to remember that the main way the minister of the church is pastoring people is by his Sunday sermons. So the main way Jody passes you is through the sermons. So this actually means if you don't front up on Sunday, unless you're sick or something like that, you're saying to Jody, don't pastor me this week. I'll just run off in the back paddocks and do my own thing and wander my own way and maybe get lost or something like that. The main way the minister of the church passes the people is by Sunday sermons. Now, Jody does this through his sermons. Of course, question and answer too. People ask the question, if, you, if, if, if someone asks a question, and probably lots of people in the congregation are thinking the same question or something similar. When, it, when it's up and says, yeah, I would have thought of that myself. And Jody has said to me, I said, oh, the questions and answers seem to work with you. He said, yeah, well, often we're doing ethics, aren't we? When we, when we do questions and answers, I might mention for the visitors, when, when our main minister's here, you can write questions down on the little sheet. If you don't like my sermon, you can say so. Or you can ask questions about it. And Jody will answer them the next week, you see. So the questions go up and the answers come. And often we do ethics... The way that Christians live, people are often asking questions about how to live as a Christian. What is right or wrong? Why should I do this or why should I do that? And we're getting the answers there. So we're getting guidance on the way we live and we're getting our biblical theology when Jody preached. So as we've been going through Acts, we've had that sort of biblical theology about how the church expanded and, and the crucial role of the apostles and the gospels, that sort of stuff, you see. So Jody is pastoring you not by knocking on your door each day, but through the sermons and the questions and answers. Don't tell when he's talking with you, that sort of thing. And then we pass to each other in the same way. And that's why it's good, say, for instance, to talk over the meal, to talk Christianly with each other and to use words of grace. Because when we do that, we're actually pastoring each other. We're, we're sharing in Jody's ministry. We're sharing it around and making it bigger and bigger. And this is the way Jesus is guiding our congregation. We're all supposed to therefore be attending uh, on Sunday to be taught uh, from the ser sermon, but not very few of us have a face-to-face -face meeting with the minister during the week to receive specific instructions on what to do next. It's plain that this, this is unrealistic expectation. So we see the main way in which the pastor pastors the flock is through his group teaching, sermon and questions and answers and so forth. And we're told the reason Jesus appointed pastor teachers in his church was to prepare all of God's people for the work of Christian service. Or as we could translate it, to prepare all of God's people for the work of Christian ministry. So there's a, a sense in which there's not just one pastor, but every one of us has got to be some, involved in Christian ministry in some sort of way. So over on the very back page of our sermon notes, the main way the, the pastor um, leads the flock or shepherds the flock is through his teaching. Uh, 
should keep you up to date now that it's the function of the pastor to prepare people for Christian ministry. This should be flowing out of the sermons and the questions and answers here that people are girding themselves up, being brave and saying, I'll take a step forward and I'll start to do things around the place. I won't just be sitting in the pews and saying, why isn't someone noticing me? Why isn't someone taking care of me when someone is actually noticing you and someone is taking care of you? Uh, we know you're noticed each week because the role is marked each week. If the sheep are present or not, it is known and recorded. And if you're away for a while, it rings the alarm bell so someone is watching over you and someone is taking care of you because they're teaching you. So these things are happening in this congregation. Uh, so therefore we preach the sort of sermons that help the individual sheep to sort out their own spiritual issues. Uh, preaching sermons for the benefit of all the congregation helps each one of us one by one. Uh, and explaining God's words in a one-to-one -one situation. I've, I've mentioned all that before. Sometimes also it's necessary for the, the shepherd of the congregation to give a word of rebuke for sinful or slothful attitudes. And we should expect this from Jody if he's being true to Jesus, that there might at times be necessary to rebuke someone who's been just plain slack for whatever reason. You must expect this from your minister if he's being a true shepherd under the chief shepherd. Of course, um, the pastor doesn't just prepare sermons. He, of course, busies himself in doing Christian ministry himself, in getting out in the, congrega in the congregation and amongst the villagers. He needs to be abreast of the current issues and attitudes in society so that these can inform his sermons and help us all because we're all floundering the same difficult society. It's clear, for instance, there's a strong push to rid Australian society of any remnant of Christianity, especially in the public square. We're being beaten down and told to keep quiet and keep our faith to ourselves. The intention is to push Christian faith to the extreme edge of society and to portray Christians as narrow-minded weirdos. And the minister must be in touch with this and all the other sort of um, poisonous attitudes that swirl around in our society and protect his flock where he can and strengthen them to live in a society such as ours. And as mentioned, sometimes the minister will suffer on behalf of his flock. That's clear from the scripture. Sometimes he'll make a public stand for God's truth and cop the consequences from hostile listeners. In doing this, he takes the flat so that the flock can continue peacefully feeding in safety. You remember how I told you that David would fight off the lion or the wolf so the sheep themselves didn't have to. They could just ignore the danger and carry on eating and whatever. Like the shepherd, the pastor lives amongst them. He is one of them. I believe that the first task of, the, of a new minister in a parish is to fall in love with the people and the place. The minister must know his congregation personally so he can call them by name and they come to him. I think I'm right in remembering when that guy from Ireland was here, Cameron Jones, had a story about the shepherds in Ireland being able to call out to each one of the sheep by name and the sheep would respond by coming up to him, if you remember that story. And the same is in the Bible, I, I call my sheep and they come, come to me, says Jesus. And that happens because the flock is smaller. You know, you can sort of have a mob of a thousand sheep, obviously in Australia, it doesn't work that way. 
and the guy who travelled to the Middle East for the first time in the early parts of the century saw the same thing. So it starts with learning names, and it's obviously more than knowing names, it's knowing their homes, their living situations, their life stories, their disappointments. It's being aware of the struggles that they're going through. We need to encourage Jody to know us, to be able to open ourselves up to Jody so he can be a good pastor to us. And Psalm 23 comes true when we have this sort of shepherd in, in our parish. It'll be like God himself ministering to us. The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. That'll be true for us. Green pastures, still waters, and the right pathway lies out before us. We can, we can see it, we know the road we're to travel on. Even when death comes close to his life, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me and you guide me with your rod and your staff. So even when we're at the point of dying, God will still guide, guide us through his shepherds, which might be the minister visiting or each other as we take care of each other at the point of departure. Of course, God can and does help his believers personally one-to-one, even speaking out loud to them as suits his purpose. I grant that, obviously. But most often, God walks his sheep through the valley of the shadow of death as faithful Christian brothers and sisters walk with them. They walk with that person, they minister God's precious promises to them. And the minister will unavoidably be taking the lead here when a Christian has to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So, all in all, we've seen that sheep are not uh, solitary animals. And if you want to finish off, finish off your, your sermon notes on the back page, I think we did the way in which the pastor the past shepherds the flock is his teaching. When death comes close, I'll not be afraid, for you are with me and you comfort me with your rod and your staff. And we're just coming up to the last one, so keep your pen in your hand. Now we've seen that in this sermon that sheep are not solitary animals, so it's a good, good choice of the metaphor for a congregation. We're not individuals. Uh, we're in fact uh, all of society, we're, we're interconnected to each other and we're interconnected with the bonds of Christian love and unity in our congregation. Sheep are animals which live in herds or communities with Jesus himself as their shepherd and with the human shepherds he has appointed to lead them safely to shelter as is God's will for each one of you. So Jesus himself can say, and this is the last, last little spot to fill in on your notes, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom.